Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Reality Renner with Mitch and Mark. Mitchy, we have had another action-packed week. Mark, it's been another block episode for us. We've got our shop opening today in Newport, so we've actually had one week to turn it from a blank space into this beautiful homeware store, Mitch and Mark Home. Drop by if you're in town. We'd love to see you. And it was interesting because all of the East Coast has been bombarded and smashed by the rain, so we were trying to paint and get this place ready with so much moisture around, the paint wouldn't dry. Yeah, but we've managed to get it done. We've got it done, and... uh, Outside of that, Mark, we actually had some fun this last week. We did. Ronnie and Georgia are in Sydney. Yeah, Ronnie and Georgia from the block, as you all know them, they came and stayed with us with their beautiful kids. That was a heap of fun. But we also had a trip from Newport, where we live, into the big smoke and um, had a night out with Kirsty and Jesse. It was so great to catch up with them too. They're just, they're just delightful. It's so great to see them. The other interesting thing this week, I don't know if listeners are dealing with it too, is the news of apparently some variant COVID up. I was feeling really hopeful that the borders were opening up and we would be able to start to travel a little more. And then you hear this news. It's like, oh, my God, just another slap. Mike, I think it's got us all holding our breath, just hoping and hoping that this doesn't um, put us back into lockdown. It's the last thing I think anyone can take. Yeah, I think we need some hope and we're heading towards Christmas and the new year. I guess we just got to keep, keep hoping that we will get this handled. So, you know what I say, let's stay positive and focus on a total positive. We got to have a chat with the most incredible woman, Shelley Horton. Uh, Shelley shared a whole lot of her life. Um, and I think that's where a lot of her great positive attitude comes from. It hasn't been an easy path for her. Shelley started off in London, Mark. Yeah, I don't know about other people. I remember seeing Shelley Horton. You see her now and then on Channel 9 and 9 Honey. She's done a lot of commentary, but she does also a lot of media training for people. So she's a really savvy journalist. But interesting that her career took a little bit of a turn, kind of by her sliding doors, maybe a white lie. A white lie got her kick-started in London and then brought her back to Australia. But then in Australia, she dealt with some... Some pretty harsh stuff. But this is also a woman who is vivacious and funny, but also she takes a different view on renos. You know, we're here to talk to people about their experience with the renovations, but Shelley and her husband actually don't live in properties they own. No, they actually have investment properties, but they choose to rent because they like to be living in new, fresh places. So they don't see themselves as renovators, but it's, it's quite a, a long thread of what a renovation is. Well, it is, is interesting. When we spoke to Shelley and asked her to, to join us on our podcast, she was like, well, I don't renovate, until we said to her, how do you make a space that you rent? And a lot of people are renting. How do you make that space your own and, and add your own style and feel? And we've all got to create our own nest. The other thing she's she's so good at, she's a journalist. So you've, we found halfway through the conversation, she started interviewing us. She did a bit of a table flip. She mark. did. And, but she, she sort of hit something really interesting on us. She spoke to us about, about who we are and, and getting there and got us talking about coming out. 
it, it was tough. It was a bit raw, but it was actually it was really interesting to have that open and frank conversation. Yeah. So this is a, a fascinating woman who has just a zest for life, but is not afraid to talk about really challenging topics. We're so pleased that we spent time with Shelley Horton. I would love to welcome the amazing, fabulous Shelley Horton to our podcast. <laughs> He's so Hi. excited. Shelley, I've got to say, I'm so excited and I, and I have to disclose, I, I've got a bit of a crush on you. Oh, look, it works both ways. I can't believe Ooh. we're not best friends. So it's one I of those know. weird things where seeing you guys on TV and then on Instagram and stuff like that, I'm like, hmm. I wonder if they understand that I really want to be a drinking buddy. I wonder if they understand that because I think it needs to happen. I've got, I've got, to, I've got, to, I've got to turn it down. I've got to turn it down. Are you fangirling? So, I'm fangirling. I am. The crush is insane. So excited. But but do you know what though? You're you're you fabulous. You're 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 uh, more than a bit extra. You speak. <laughs> what do you, you mean? speak? You, well, you, you're extra. The fact that I'm wearing sequins for a podcast. <laughs> yeah. But you speak your mind. You don't. You don't hold back. Yeah. And you go to the taboo subjects, but you yeah. also help people. Yeah, it's a full I package, baby. Full yeah. package. I yeah. think Mitch can see a kindred spirit in you. That's like right. sequence, fabulous. Yeah. He can. He can. You know, like sees like. <laughs> yes, absolutely. We're like bowerbirds attracted to each other. I think. It is. <laughs> yeah. And I think because we've also spent time watching you on Nine Honey, so we've had. Yeah. You know, watching you, I remember being addicted to watching um, Talking Married after Indeed. Married at First Sight and to see you have people on there and kind of dissect what's going on and the relationships yeah. was always fun. Was that fun to do? Yeah, it was. Sometimes it was a little bit confronting because because it was a Channel 9 show dissecting a Channel 9 show, I couldn't go Ooh. as hard as I wanted to. I had to make sure that I wasn't being too mean and I'm not a mean person but like I at one time do you remember Dean who cheated on Tracy so that was a couple of seasons ago I think that was Jules and Cam's yeah was that the season with Jules and Cam I think it was I think it was anyway I I wanted to say to Dean that I've had deeper baths than you because he's so shallow oh my gosh but I heard (laughs) recently that he's been through a really tough time since doing it that it's that damaged his life yeah i think that you have to take on that risk when it comes to reality tv no one thinks they're going to be the villain everyone thinks they're going to be the fabulous superstar we thought that yeah (laughs) (laughs) but you guys are fabulous villains (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think with dean yeah he didn't really think about the impact it would have outside of the show and he has changed a lot so he's actually also found religion so he's uh going to bible classes and things like that and he's sort of now the thing he's renovating is is his reputation yeah which is kind of sad i love that line renovating your reputation Mm. that's a show that's a show show. (laughs) i think renovating your reputation i think i think it's interesting shelly you make a good point. When you go on reality TV, you don't think that you're going to be the villain. You don't think that but. you're going to have your flaws shown. But, you know, when we went on, it's like our experience on the block, you see us as we are, the good, the bad, 
the fabulous, according to um, <laughs> we did for the most recent block, the good, the bad, and the fabulous. But you know, you it's a harsh lens, and sometimes you have to return it on yourself and be okay with that. And also, yeah. I think people forget that you're going to be sleep deprived, sometimes hungry, uh, not have your regular support systems around you. It's actually you at your worst. So you've got to think about you at your worst and would you want your worst to be on TV? Now, for me, I am the biggest Survivor fan, like, in the on the planet, basically. Oh, really? I actually was, oh, I love it so much. And I actually used to work for Entertainment Tonight America, you know, the... And I got to fly to Borneo and be there for the very first American Survivor where they had naked Richard Hatch, remember? I know. Yes. So I have actually been watching 21 years of Survivor and haven't like disliked a season. Would I go on Survivor? Hell no. Because not. Because I know that first of all, I'm a slightly overweight 47 year old who's shit at challenges. So that's not going to be great for me. I think I'd play a great social game, but then I am terrible when I'm hangry. And these people are just living on rice and beans most of the time. So my absolute worst version of myself would be on TV. Whereas Mark Burnett, who's the the creator of Survivor, he is an uh, ex-UK SAS guy. And he's like, food, food's just fuel. It's not important at all. It's just what you do. And I'm like, if you have that mindset, no, 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 no. I'm like, then why did God invent cheese, you know? <laughs> see, see, true. Shelly, I can be um, uh, the person that at 10 o'clock needs something sweet, so I'll go and bake a whole slab of brownie yeah. covered in icing. This is 10 o'clock at night. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm hungry it. now. It's never, it's never Mitch, too late. Mitch, Mitch is the person never that wakes late. up in the morning and the minute his eyes are open, he's like, I'm starving. Aren't you hungry? I need to go and eat. It's like I cook, cook breakfast every morning. Wow. Love it. And yet you look like you've never touched a carb. What's your oh, thing? Really? Oh, so, no. See, so, that's so, such a compliment to you. Like, can really? we talk? Can we talk? Can we talk? Do you think I'm do you think I'm too thin? <gasps> Not too <laughs> oh. Don't indulge don't indulge him. But the one I really want to go on is I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. And I oh, got really? close. Yeah, I know. I'm put I'm not a proper celebrity. You know, the first thing that anyone would say, the Twitter would just be like, who, who, who's that? Um, but Not I, me, not me. I, I recognise <laughs> you, honey. <laughs> I would love to do that and I just would love to push myself. But the thing that I love the most about I'm a Celebrity is basically everyone I know who's done it has said they have learnt so much about themselves. Yep. They have stayed in contact with the other people on the show and have yes. these really strong friendships. And it's also, for me, it would be a great weight loss program. So I'm like, tick, tick, tick. There'd be snakes and rats and gross food challenges, but well, hey. You are a huge celebrity. Oh. And I would like to hear about, um, I've read up a bit because I'm, I'm a bit of a stalker, <laughs> now, but I'd like to hear in your words about, the steps you took to get to be the Shelley Horton that we know today? Oh, well, I'll try and condense it because it is 47 years. Basically, the, I think an interesting thing about me is I grew up in country Queensland 
in a town called Kingaroy, which was only population 5,000. So it didn't have traffic lights, it didn't have McDonald's, anything like that. And so I went to University of Queensland and did my journalism degree and absolutely fell in love with being a journalist. But I was too, I guess, embarrassed or didn't have the self-confidence to say I wanted to do TV. Uh, So I majored in radio and I did very well in radio, but it's interesting because these days I think the me, the Shelley Horton you're talking to now has buckets of confidence and I can't believe I held myself back for so long and didn't wow. think it was, I was worth actually being seen on TV. And also, you know, it's that old, oh, that old saying of you can't be what you can't see. I've always been, you know, overweight, redhead, loud, not, you know, certainly not your regular size eight blonde that you normally see on TV, particularly with journalists. I mean, I don't actually think Channel 9 has, I think that you could count on one hand the number of female journalists that they've got that don't have blonde hair. Like, it is a bit ridiculous. If I was, my advice to the other girls in there would be just like, dye your hair brown and stand out from the crowd, you know? Anyway, I was actually a crime reporter. And so I was out on murder hunts and things like that. And I loved it. And I know that's a weird thing, but I think people will understand because everyone's sort of getting into those crime documentaries and and podcasts and things like that. Well, I was actually on the scene, as you would see, the dead people and, you know, them chasing murderers and stuff like that. But I've seen seven dead bodies. So you see dead people? I see dead people. Um, (laughs) I honestly don't need any therapy or anything because I was just, fascinated then after that I moved to London and I had an incredible this is where my confidence had grown because I loved doing the crime reporting so much I blagged my way into a job at a tv station in London right and I I think I did in my research I heard something (laughs) about that you told a lie that you might have led a producer to believe you could read sports news or something was it sports news yeah so basically all the other journals were out on a story and the executive producer turned to me and said, Shelley, have you ever read the news on TV in Australia? I was 24, I think. And I just went, yes. In fact, that was a big no. I had never done it. So I lied. And then she's like, great, get some hair and makeup. I couldn't tell anyone that I was nervous. I couldn't tell anyone that I hadn't did it. So I had to do that complete fake it till you make it. I don't think I'd been inside a TV station more than once or twice. You know, like I'd worked in radio only. And Did you um, know anything about sport at all? Like No. Football I or? I, I didn't know any of the hard <laughs> names. I didn't, you know, it was ridiculous. But what I did is I sat down with that sort of glint in my eye of going, strap yourself in, people. It's going to be a bumpy ride, but let's have some fun. And that was what got me through it because I made lots of mistakes and the switchboard lit up and it was in London. So it was like, why have we got a convict reading the news? And the next day, the big boss, like the CEO, called me into his office and I thought I was going to get fired. And not only had I lied about not ever having TV experience, I didn't even have the right working visa. So like I could have been exported home. But he just said, I I watched it and there's just something, you've got that factor and I'm giving you your own entertainment show. So oh if, my God. Yeah, in London. So I had a daily entertainment show in London, free tickets to movie premieres and comedy nights. And yeah, it was amazing. 
However, I came home after a year, not because my show got axed, but because the entire station closed down. It was a little bit dramatic. Imagine like Channel <laughs> Channel 10 just closing. And I got a job at Channel 9. Now, this was, nine, I think, 1998. So we're talking, you know, a long time ago. But I got a job on the Australian version of Entertainment Tonight with Richard Wilkins of Maritani. And I was there in the field reporter and producer. And then after three months, I actually had my female boss call me into her office and say, we've decided you'd be better behind the scenes because you're not really the right look. And I mean, what do you mean? And she said, you're too fat for TV. And I was a size 10 then. Oh my. oh my god so much for the so much for the for the girl for the girl the womanhood and the sisterhood i know it was yeah did that shock was, you shelly oh hun i i was broken i was completely broken and so my default was go back to radio and i went back to auntie i went back to abc and i became a newsreader on triple j and then while i was there i i met a fabulous female boss who i'm still in contact with today and she said to me, hell, why aren't you doing TV? And I told her what had happened. And she's like, well, that's ridiculous. You need yeah. to, you know, set some goals and, and tell people you want to get back into TV. You've already got a year's experience, you know. So I ended up being brave enough. And I think sometimes confidence also comes in being brave enough to say what you want. But I went from reading the news on Triple J with my hair and pigtails and, you know, ripped jeans because that's what you could do, to going in camera ready. So I'd blow dry my hair, I'd do my makeup, and I'd still wear jeans, but I might wear a nice top with it. And that caused enough of a stir for people to start going, what are you, you, like, are you going for a job interview or something? And I would force myself to be brave enough and say, no, actually, I'd really love to get back into TV, so I'm just getting match fit. And I just want to, you know, get back into practice. And only six weeks after that, there was a grumpy old producer in the ABC newsroom who said to me, hey, Shell, remember a couple of weeks ago you said you wanted to get back into TV? Well, mate of mine starting a new show at ABC. I mentioned you and he wants to see your showreel. And I got an audition and I was back on TV for George Niggas Tonight, working with one of my oh, heroes. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh. So that was on ABC. I was a health reporter for, for them. And so, again... That was just having to get my confidence back and back myself after being told I wasn't good enough to then go, actually, I know I'm good enough and putting my own stamp on everything. But I think it's all part of you, part of you, your, your personality, your red hair, <laughs> your big smile, um, your intelligent wit and the way you look. I think that's part of why you're on TV because your look is right for TV. And yeah. your look encapsulates everything about you. And that's why we need to be besties. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. That's true. But you, and the other thing I think, Shelley, you talk about is Darren. Yeah. Yes, that's what I was going to say. You have got a fabulous husband. I do. He's my favourite. How long ago? How long have you been together? Nine years. Wow. Yeah. So you and Darren met yeah. nine years ago. When you met mm. nine years ago, I've got a really, I've got a link here. Okay, I've got a segue. <laughs> um, you were living separately. Yeah, and no doubt you moved in together quickly. Yeah, he, he moved in within three months. Yeah, I, I moved in the night I met Mark. Um, <laughs> you know what? Before he gets to this question, 
Mitch moved in and there was a point at which he had a sofa he had ordered before he met me. And he's talking to me and he says, the sofa's being delivered next week. And I went, here? And he said, yes. And I said, why here? And he just looked at me and he went, I live here. And I said, well, you have your own place. And he said, have you looked at your wardrobe? He had been through my wardrobe and, and chucked out clothes that he didn't wow. like. Wow. Wow. Had to make. Had to make space. But anyway, but anyway back to you. Okay. So when you guys had to merge mm. and merge your homes together, two very independent and not kids, you've been, no. you've, 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 li- you've lived lives, you have to merge and create a home together, bringing Darren's style, your style, yeah. and making them one. How did you make that work? Not so well, to be honest. <laughs> So what happened was uh, when he moved into my place, it was definitely all of my style and I, you know, I dominated. Then when we moved into what we called the Rainbow Loft, because it was a great New York style loft in Darlinghurst, I had actually been at a charity event where I had won a stylist to come to our apartment and help us just sort of style it, I guess. And we had just moved in. So... I was quite excited and it was a, it's a big space, a loft. It's, you know, very, very nine meter ceiling, very big. And so I had wanted, yes, massive, massive windows. And I had all of these plans and Darren just said, look, stop, you know, you've, you've won this stylist. Let's just, you know, see what the stylist has got to say. So this fabulous guy turns up and what he got us to do is we, we have quite a lot of art that we've both collected throughout our lives that have different meanings of, you know, from when you bought it and what stage you're at and all that sort of thing. So we lined all of our artwork up and he decided what would go where and he picked... Oh, judgment. I can feel judgment coming. Oh, oh, oh. (laughs) Every single one of Darren's artwork got chosen and zero of mine. (laughs) Mine were put into storage. I was devastated and then... Whenever I want to like change the cushions on the couch, Darren will say no. And then he'll go, Oh, like, no, no, no. We just need to, you know, change things up a bit. And he'll be like, Don't make me call a stylist. We know who's got style around here. Oh my God. So how would you describe your style? So if you, cause Mitch and I are the same coming together, bringing different styles. How would you describe your home decor style? And how would you describe Darren's at that time? I, at that time, I liked very bright and colourful. So I had a yellow couch and I had blue cushions and I had very bright, vibrant things. Darren only wears black and he loves black and he wants everything to be minimalist and very modest. So now we've pretty much gone his way. (laughs) (laughs) He got his way. No, we he did get his way because I honestly I don't think the way you guys do. I, I think I'm very talented at what I do, but I am not talented at styling and I'm not good at looking at a space and thinking what options you could have there. And so Darren's pretty good with that stuff. So now we're kind of more neutrals and dark woods. And, but do you get color anywhere? Uh, in a couple of paintings, but that's about it. So at the moment, we're our new place in, um, in, in the Gold Coast. We have a gray leather lounge and brown and gray rug and this big sort of copper drum with the browns in it. 
So it's kind of, yeah, it's all pretty neutral. And then we've got some pretty spectacular paintings, again, owned by Darren. But the rest, yeah, the rest is all pretty neutral. At least I'm taking control of the bedroom, though. But to be fair, I'm still... You take control of the bedroom. (laughs) Are we going there, are we? That's got nothing to do with styling, hun. (laughs) There's your promo. (laughs) Okay, so here's something that I'm... I'm worried that you won't want to be friends with me after this. I have plastic plants. What? (laughs) You should have seen your faces. (laughs) 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 I kill plants constantly and I spend a fortune on plants. And so I have just gone to Ikea and I've got the plants. All right, maybe we'll discuss that when you – they look great. I love it. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to Bluehost.com slash Wondersuite. I'm going to bring it back to styling and renovation because you're an interesting character um, with you and Darren because you guys Mm. own investment properties, but you choose to live in a rental property and rental properties, which has been for the last nine years. So here's why. Yes. I don't want to renovate. Sorry, guys. Again, I feel like our friendship is just fraying at the edges here. And here um, I had a vision of you on the block. I, know, I thought celebrity no, block, Shelley Horton and Darren. No, no, not going to happen. So we've got an investment property, one in Newport in New South Wales. and near one us. Near you guys and one near Noosa up in Queensland. We couldn't afford to buy where I want to live. So... We have also we also run our business from home and we can claim a lot of our oh. home expenses through our business. But if we were in our own home, once you start trying to claim some of those uh, working from home tax benefits, you end up getting in trouble with, I don't know, what is it, the stamp duty or something, whatever. It's when you want to sell oh, again. Yeah. Mm, so, it, yeah. yeah, so for us, we are kind of treating it almost like a – an investment in our retirement that we will have these two properties so that's our plan and the thing is I like to live in great places I'm just not the sort of person who will go and live an hour away from where I actually want to be renovate while I live in it and then sell it and move you know a couple of suburbs further and then repeat repeat that's just not my personality type so for us we've gone for a really modern two-story townhouse in Palm Beach in Queensland, outdoor jacuzzi, three bedrooms, which sounds ridiculous for uh, just a couple, but we actually have two separate offices. We have this, which I use, this area, which I use for my live crosses on TV, my media training, anything, and even my virtual MC. And then we have the big bedroom separate. So what I found, particularly in Sydney and particularly in a loft, 
is when we were, you know, originally going through the pandemic, I couldn't separate work and home. So the lights and cameras and everything would be set up in our lounge room and we'd be watching TV at night in our lounge room. And, and rather than pack them all down, because it's a lot of, you know, rigmarole, I think that we just left it up for months and months and months. And so now it's very separate that upstairs is work and downstairs is where we relax. And I really love having that bit of separation. But Shelley, it's interesting when people talk about renovation and home styling, it's, it's always considered that it has to be something big. But mm. what we consider is that um, people have a home and whether you're renting or whether it's brand new or whether it's something that needs a lot of work, it is the place you have to create your nest. So whether we like to believe it or not, we all are indulging in some form of renovation, be it styling, be yeah. it rip out, rip out and rebuild. So you still have to style your place. So you've recently relocated the Gold Coast, yeah, moved into a new home, but you yeah. but you you've still had to do the styling. So yeah. this time without a stylist, yeah, nine years into the relationship, how did you go about that this time? Did you and Darren have you built to the stage where you feel like you're a stylist and you can work together, or did you have to get help? I wish that I had you guys to do it and I have relied heavily on a couple of girlfriends who just have a really great sense of style themselves. We kind of compromise and another thing that we have done and again I think it's because we're older and also it's our money and we're not sort of like a scrunching around like a share accommodation situation renting is we have drilled holes in the wall and put up our artwork and stuff like that and then when we move we get either Darren, you know, fills them all and repaints it. That to me is just like, it's, I'd rather have our art up that I really love yep. than have to say I'm renting and I can't actually make any changes. So that those sort of things you can still do when you're renting if you have got the money to do that. Our dream home will be a penthouse apartment on the beach overlooking the water. That's what we're working towards putting your stamp on in a rental do you find like you said that you're prepared to fix are you restricted with what you can do though you have to get permission from the landlord so what we did is we just said that we will leave the 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 apartment or the townhouse in the condition we found it so therefore you know if we put a, a nail in the wall we then fill it and, and repaint that whole wall so that it's done and most of them are really happy because they get you know painting done at the end we're long-term renters and that is actually a landlord's dream oh, because absolutely. we treat it as our own place so therefore we we take great care of it and they, they know that the renters get paid on time and it's going to be left in a really good condition well you're a landlord you know it's i'm a landlord yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 and we have the same we've got a couple of um, properties, investment properties, and we, we've we got long-term tenants. We've been so lucky. You just yeah. you look after them. In fact, the re it's an interesting relationship because sometimes you see in the popular media the kind of pre presenting as a them and us is that landlords are yeah. trying to screw somebody over and then landlords are saying, oh, the rent is trying to screw over. If you have a really good tenant, somebody that looks yeah. after your place, I agree with you, Shelley. We, we've had that. With tenants where we've gone, we, we just want you to stay. You've been amazing. Yeah. So, so I've, they... I've got a rule that if 
I've got a tenant who is amazing. I do not pull their rent up the entire time they're there. Yeah. And then when yes. they move out, I put it up by a chunk to make you up. Know, we just had know. tenants in a Potts Point place for five years. Rent stayed the same because they were good yep. to us. So we had exactly. to them. So, you know, Shelley, the other thing I'm interested in and, you know, you're talking about. What's that, Monday? <laughs> well, because Shelley's talking about renovation <laughs> no. and I'll connect the dots. You love Survivor. <laughs> yeah. But you wouldn't go and do survivor and yeah yeah but you also have talked about you know renovation and not willing to do that i wouldn't do it but you have this amazing video series on resilience where you've interviewed and spoken to people like jessica rowe and i think christine anu around Mm. resilience which is something we talk a lot about the last few years people have been talking in in that area of psychology and even now the experience with COVID, resilience is yep. so important. So tell me what's your interest in that? Because I think having resilience would get you through Survivor or get you through the block. True. <laughs> that is true. I think the thing that I love about being a journalist is I get to ask questions that other people are maybe afraid to ask. And so when it comes to that resilience series, I was so proud of it because I found people who had had really dark times and they'd come through. And so it was like finding out what it was about them and what they did to pick themselves back up again. For me, I think part of resilience is knowing that you're not alone and knowing that even celebrities fall on their face or have dark times, but they find that resilience to step back up again and to keep going. And so there's a bit of a, yeah, there's a bit of a constant theme throughout everything that I do, which is tapping in to other people and getting them to verbalise what's going on because you can't just say things in your head. I think if you're trying to sort out your negative talk or you're going through a bad period, trying to just sort yourself out with a self-help book and say things in your head doesn't work. I think you need to say it out loud, either to a trusted family member or friend or to a professional psychologist. That's something why a lot of times women are more resilient than men because we're very good communicators and we've been brought up being um, taught to communicate well, whereas men, probably not so much now, but previously were brought up to hold everything in and to, to, to not complain about things. So... I think all of it is about actually being open and honest. And, and you know, look at my Instagram. One minute I'm all glammed up and next minute I've got no makeup and sweaty face. And I think we need to be more real on social media and remember that social media is often a highlights reel. It is not reality. So don't ever compare and despair. I think that is such a good commentary <clears throat> that yeah. it's about being real. But as I'm listening to you, I feel like I can hear through everything that we've talked about and that you're passionate about, the young woman studying journalism who didn't think she was okay enough to be on TV, and that has driven you to decide to explore certain things. It's like the ripple effect you don't ever realise that you have. She is talking loud and clear in the person who is prepared to be in a spotlight, to be different to talk about resilience, to just be yourself and be real. And and to me, that is just inspiring. I love that. I know. And I, 
But do you know the other thing is I don't think I've really thought about it in those terms, which is so nice to hear it you for for you to verbalize it that way because yeah, I I do do that and I'm pretty proud that I do that. And you know, it's not often that you get to say that you're proud of yourself, you know? Yeah, so my, my one of my thoughts would be if you now went back and talked to her, what would you yeah. say to her? I would say work hard and don't let your inner voice be louder than your actual voice. You know, it's very easy to listen to your negative self-talk and believe it as fact, but when you are put on the spot and you can perform, you work well under pressure. So let's just try and quieten down because I don't think you'll ever not have negative thoughts. I don't think it's part of our, you know, psyche. But I really think don't be the one who holds you back. Well, Shelley, that girl, that girl that was told that she was uh, the wrong dress size yep. and couldn't be on TV on Channel 9, um, but I wonder how many... 47-year-old women have been that 20-something-year-old girl and never and got just, past yep, it. Nev- never, just didn't consider it an option anymore. And yeah, that's resilience. Yeah. It's, it's that's nice. resilience. Shelley, we've asked you a million questions. Yeah. Fire something at us, anything you like. Nothing is um, off Nothing limits. is taboo. I love that. Okay, so... I don't know your stories about coming out and was it difficult for both of you and was it different? Very different. It's Mm. a very, very good question. The coming out story is different for both of us. Mine was um, I grew up in Adelaide, so I'm an Adelaide boy, and for me it was the late 70s, you know, and um, my parents had divorced when I was about 12 and there was a whole lot of stuff that was going on, but I knew I was different and I knew I was different from probably about nine years old. Wow. Which is, yeah, from nine I knew I was different. Fortunately, my I had an uncle, like my mother's uncle, so a great uncle, who was one of our favourite uncles and he always had his male friend around. So it kind of was a, around in the family. But, um, yeah, it wasn't easy and it was around the time HIV was coming out and I still remember mm. the first time at university I saw a Time magazine with this virus that was going around. Interesting, given our times. Mm. I think probably too when I was uh, 19, 20, I probably had an eating disorder. I didn't eat very much. So it was a lot of body kind of dysmorphic Mm -hmm. stuff, maybe in reverse. And I was quite thin. Yeah, but I I moved out of home at 21. And I remember telling my parents, my, my brother found it difficult because he was trying to set me up with girlfriends. And so for him, it let him down. There wasn't. Yeah, right. It was about his disappointment. My mum was worried about me being lonely and then yeah. was worried about the whole HIV thing. But I have to say at the time she told me that she went to see a doctor, a doctor prescribed medication for her to calm her down, and she said two weeks into it, she said, why am I taking this? As long as he's happy, that's what's important. And I love that. that. Was it. It, it shaped me a lot. I think it was mm. not, not so easy. Um, but here we are now. And, it's, and I never thought, and I have to say, you know, when the marriage equality stuff went through, I will never forget that because I stood in Hyde Park when everyone was celebrating and it's the first time I just cried. Yeah. And I went, why am I crying? I went, because I never thought, and I, my realisation, Shelley, at that point was 
it was the first time I ever felt that my country accepted me. Wow. And I didn't realise until that moment that I never felt that I was okay in this country. I think yeah. there is a there is a strength of character that I developed in a belief yeah. in myself having gone through, you know, the dark times where you wanted to die. I mean, I, I yeah. 18, 19, 20, it was like I would prefer to be dead. Wow. Um, but you go through that and now I'm so happy and how lucky yeah. am I. And can I just say I'm so sorry that you felt that badly and I wish that our country had been more progressive and yeah. I'm glad that you are representing fabulous gay couples on the block because okay. that's going to have another nine-year-old boy watching TV and seeing Absolutely. Uh, it's not something that is a negative. Exactly. Yeah. That's that's the benefit. So well, my, my little person from way back is talking through me too, mm. like you. And my little person was um, a good Catholic boy and I had trained myself if you had those those evil thoughts that I had programmed that in my head that that happened to every to every boy, so you push them aside, right? You you don't acknowledge them, and I thought it would probably just ha it happens to everyone. So I went down the path of dating girls, um, getting married, but always these thoughts popping in, but putting them away, and got married, had three children before thirty. Yeah, wow. got to thirty, and then I do remember thinking, oh shit, they're real. They're not evil thoughts. Yeah. I'm got this. I must be bi. I must uh, be bi. And then as time went on, I thought, yeah, not so bi. Not so bi. <laughs> bye, pretty, bye bye. Pretty more the gay side. And I was married with three children. We lived in the US at the time. Yeah. It, it, it was, it was a disaster. It was a disaster. And my ex wife, we, stayed together for a period and kept it to ourselves um i wow. went in we went to therapy for a while and i do remember going to therapy and saying to her and the therapist saying i'm not broken i'm gay you're not going to fix me but wow. then we tried to make it work it didn't work my wife ex-wife came back to australia with the children i stayed on there for a period of time but i do remember feeling like i'd I'd hurt everybody and I but but I remember feeling oh my god relief it was like yeah the lie is over I was always I always masqueraded as a very happy person and I think I was happy enough yeah but but I was never honest but you weren't true to yourself yeah no I wasn't true to anyone or to myself and now like it was Mark like there's been you know other relationships prior to Mark, but but with Mark it's like now I think, oh my God, I am just a, we're just a couple, and yeah. I'm so and I say to Mark sometimes I'm so glad you're gay because we can be gay together, <laughs> um, because we get on we get on so great, yeah, and and I I could have taken the lie all the way through my life, and I think there's some guys and girls that do take that lie all the way through to the end. For me, it was probably going to the US and and traveling for work a lot. And I put out some vibe and guys guys approached mm. me. And I remember initially rejecting, thinking, stop, I'm straight. And then realizing, yeah, not so much. Um, not so much. 
So, but with three kids involved, it it was yeah, wow. It was ugly. My parents were very anti. My brother had come out before that and and was exiled from the family um, for a long time. Uh, but now, now the family's all good. We're all healed. Um, and now but, they get to brag about you being on the block. Yay! <laughs> brag or be embarrassed? <laughs> yeah, no, no the kids, brag. The kids still say, "Oh, Dad, please reconsider what you're going to wear." <laughs> Like, do up a button. <laughs> but you know what? They wouldn't be kids if they didn't say that. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> true, true. So, Shelley Horton, thank you thank so you much. Thank you so We've much, Shelley. You're welcome. I've loved this. I just don't want it to end, actually. <laughs> thank you so much, Shelley, for putting us in the spotlight there. That was really quite weird um, to talk about our lives like that. But you know what? We've all had interesting journeys, and it's kind of fun to get it out there and hear about it it is even yourself and it's interesting mitch so many people have journeys that you don't know about until you ask the question that's why we do this podcast thank you so much for listening to reality reno with us mitch and mark and remember you can get this podcast from spotify apple podcast acast wherever you get your podcast from please subscribe and um don't be afraid to leave feedback we welcome feedback and tune in next week because we've got another really super cool guest the number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation botox cosmetic out botulinum toxin a is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines crow's feet and forehead lines look better in adults Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com.